wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. And so as we come to this passage, we, we find that it's speaking to households, or we could say faithful families here, that we should be faithful families. And this is an essential element of every culture, of every society and nation. And, and some of us may ask uh, or remember that question, why did Rome fall? Was it from without or within? Or was it both? And I would submit to you, it always begins with the home. Because I think they were rotting from within before they got conquered or destroyed. And so it's very important for us to see, just as last year there's this, this talk about essential workers, right? It's important for us to understand that the family is essential. If the family fails, the society will fail. If the family fails, the culture will fail. If the family fails, as indeed we have seen our families failing in the United States for some time now, the nation is going to fail. The nation is going to fall to its knees in failure. And so today we're looking, and, and this morning, uh, we're looking at this passage, and we're going to discuss it and this morning. You know, I was trying to think, yeah, I need to listen to something positive. And I know on Newsmax on Sunday mornings they have Bible teachers, and I just missed Jack Hibbs, but I got to see Dr. David Jeremiah, and one of the really cool gifts that I got last week was from his new study. So I haven't read it yet, but thank you, church, whoever put it in, that, in the bucket. Um, but anyway, he's got the new study, Where Do We Go From Here? And, and you know, we could say, it looks like we're in the end times, what do we do as believers? And this morning he talked about it, talked about it, and he talked about the family. <laughs> well, why are we seeing people that look like they're we're and make it look like we're living in the end times? And we'll talk about it here in just a little bit, but Second Timothy chapter three, one through five. And it's essential to see that families are a key component of showing the light of Christ in their community and within the nation. And so, one of the things he said this morning, I had to write it down, put it in my notes. He said, don't be an alpha primitive family. And he described that as a family that negates what they have learned from the Word of God. That they don't do what the Word of God teaches. And he said, society becomes what the family is. So we're to be people uh, who live out, and we're to be families who live out the gospel message, who live out the commands of Scripture in our daily lives, within our own homes. Okay. And the other thing he says, don't be like the end times people. And so today we have to realize that this is essential. It is essential to live the new life. And we're going back to the chapter 3, beginning verse 1. It begins to talk about how we should have our, our, our mindset or keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Right? That word in verse 2, to set your mind on the things above. 
not on the things that are on the earth. Because you have died to the old self, in verse 3. You have been raised and, and you're hidden, but you will be revealed someday with Him, with Christ. And therefore, in verse 5, we, we are to die to sin. We're to slay sin or mortify sin, which is in our body. And we're to set aside the old, the old sinful desires and live out this new life that we're we ought to have, we are born again in Him. And so we are to live the new life as faithful families to bless the world for the Lord's glory. All right? Sounds pretty simple. Doesn't it? Let's, let's break it down this morning first in, in this way. First, we must fortify the home with new life living. Okay, I just said that, right? And that main thought, the main idea. And so in Colossians 3, 18 uh, through 21, we're going to look at how in verses 18 through 21, how the household, the home life is crucial. And so I want to remind you though, he's addressing the whole church. This is addressed to the whole church, and then yet we're going to break it down. But the reality is, simply stated, is that kids, kids, hey kids, hey all you kids out there, all right? Now kids are teenagers as well, okay? Anybody within the home, under your parents, you are the children, the technon in this passage, Anyone at home, anyone still under your parents' authority, kids? So all you kids, raise your hands. Let me see you. All right? So we're going to talk to you. You're part of the church. You have commands given to you. Okay, now you can fade out for just a little bit. I'll come back to you in just a minute. All right? But we're all part of the church. Wives, husbands, individuals. And we're all addressed in how we're to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And so first, the first ones addressed, ladies, are wives. Wives. And the wife is addressed first, not because she's lesser, not because she's the neediest, but I would say because she is essential, crucial to the makeup of the home. All right? We used to complain, or, and we still do, that you know the husbands are are looked at by our society and tried to make to be made to look like fools and Neanderthals and unable to do anything. But recently, it just seems with all this gender dysphoria or whatever you want to call it, that women are being attacked. Women's identity is being attacked. Wives are being attacked. And I believe it's not something new, not just with this, this gender stuff, but also in the idea of minimizing the importance of moms within the home for many, many years. We do not see the value of raising kids up in the Lord. And so it doesn't matter. Now, we, we look at Scripture. Hey, it's good. It's biblical for for wives to be industrious, right? Go back to Proverbs and all of that. So I'm not saying it's wrong for you to be working outside of the home, but we have to understand there is something very, very essential, very crucial 
in the in the the effort of the family for the mom to be involved in the life of her children and that we understand that the wife or the mom as a nurturer and as a wife for the husband is essential for the strength of the family. Okay? If we don't have our wives and our moms who are strong, strongly encouraged and strengthened in the home, our families are going to fail and our nation indeed is failing. And so we see the world attacking the wife. I believe Satan's attacking the wife and minimizing the importance for her to be serious about her uh, responsibility as a helpmeet in the marriage relationship. We see today the world and Satan minimizing the role of the mother, uh, of the wife, the mom. And, and, and the, the reason is without her, the home is going to be attacked and there's a far greater chance for it not to be a godly home. Now the husband is addressed as a leader of the family unit unit here in verse uh, 19. In today's today's society, we find that husbands are often laughed at. Today, we find that husbands are made to look like buffoons. But but without the husband and without the father, there's little discipline and there's little respect and therefore little chance for kids to grow up in a mature into mature adults, that they would grow up in maturity. And so the children are addressed here as well because they are hopefully believers or that they would become believers. And as a part of the church family, they must understand that God has commands for them as well. So then we get to the father, and I would say the parents, because children are a blessing and the job of the parent is essential so strong parenting leads to strong culture and society. Again, we'd like to stress this. Look at 2 Timothy 3. Look at 2 Timothy 3 with me real quick. Okay? 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. In Dr. J- David's Jeremiah's discussion, he says, and, and he points to this passage but this passage we find, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. The men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. Hmm. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, Treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power and avoid such men as these, avoid such people as these. But kids, when we get back to where we're going to talk about what you're commanded to do, we find that one of the greatest breakdowns in our society and towards the end times is disobedient children. And so, a weak family, again, leads to a weak nation. And so what I want all of you to do, including you children, hey kids, I want you to think about when we get to this passage, okay, what's the command for my group that I fit into, okay? 
And now if you say, okay, I don't fit into any, either group here. Yes, you fit in in the sense that there are strong principles for you to learn and for you to apply, especially as we get to the end of the message here today when we talk about the work uh, master-servant-slave relationship. But I want you to think about it. And then also not only think about the commands... But I want you to think about the motivation. So let's talk about the commands, all right? Let's get back to the commands. That's the what is given here. So wives, all right? Yay, we get to talk about this. You're saying, oh, joy. Be subject or submissive to your husband. And I know we've talked about this before in the past as we've gone through Ephesians and other passages. But in Ephesians 5.22, it says, to your own husband. Okay? To your, your husband. Nobody else's husband. Your husband. This does not again, and we've gone over this again and again and again, but it's because uh, the wife responsibilities and roles has been attacked and continues to be attacked today. But you are, even if, you are willing to obey the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God and be a submissive wife, you are still equal. The Bible teaches that wives and women are equal, but you are not the leader. You are the perfect helpmate. You may be smarter. How many of you think, don't raise your hands, you're smarter than your husband. Okay? You may be more qualified in some instances to make certain decisions, and I hope your husband is wise enough to engage in discussion with you and you decide together. But you are not. Even if you're smarter, even if you're more qualified, you are not the head of the home. You are not the leader. There is great reward and there is great rest for the wife who is willing to obey the word of the Lord and submit to her husband. Now that doesn't mean you cannot engage in livid or... uh, Did I say livid? (laughs) An exciting conversation about certain topics, okay? You may be someone that likes to engage in discussion about what should be done. You are the helpmate. That should take place. There should be discussion. But when it comes down to the end of it, and the husband says, okay, this is the decision, no matter whether he wants to walk off that cliff or not, you're like, okay. Well, maybe not if it's a cliff, okay? There are parameters, (laughs) right? If your husband says we're going to do something contrary to the Word of God, you say, no, not happening. I'm not following you. I'm following the Lord. Okay, hopefully that never happens. And so you must always put the Lord Jesus Christ first and therefore, if it's against the Word of God, then you are to say no. But otherwise, what he says is going to have to be what goes for you and the family. And so what is submission? It is not obedience it is a willing compliance at the end and within the decision made. Submission is not silence or the inability to express your thoughts and your dissent. 
It is a willingness to comply with the end decision. Now, husbands, if husbands do what they're supposed to do, then wives, you don't have a problem. I mean, well, maybe. <laughs> but wives, you're to love, or husbands, you're to love and not be embittered against your, your wives. Look, look at verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. That sounds pretty easy, right? No, it's not. Love means to sacrifice like Jesus did. Love means your wife's feelings matter more than your feelings matter. Love your wife means that she matters more than anything else in the world other than the Lord. Even more than your children. Wives, your husband matters more than your children. Husbands, your wife matters more than your children. They matter more than anything else other than the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And therefore, the job for the day, who matters more? Husbands, the wife, right? Your wife matters more than the children. What about your hobbies? What matters more? Your wife. What about your friends? If you have them, right? Your, your wife matters more, right? You get in the picture? Okay, don't be embittered against your wife. Uh, you know, it's suggested that this can often uh, be a little more difficult to handle if the husband is trying to exert his will over his wife in an unloving way, and then she's pulling back and she's saying no, and there's more tension, and then there's this... And bitterness. You're unwilling to cover over anything that she does. Oh, oh, yeah. Wives are not perfect, right? And so you don't hold anything. Is that a news flash? I don't. Nobody looked up at me. Women aren't perfect. I, I'm getting a couple. No, anyway, no, no real bad looks yet, but. When your wife does stumble, mess up, do something wrong, you cover it over with love, you help her to see the truth in a loving way, just as she should do for you, right? It may, you know, being embittered may be the result of your wife's sinful rejection of, of Jesus and His authority in her life. You may be embittered against her because uh, there's other things that are affecting her and, and she's just struggling in a lot of ways. And, and as men, you know how in touch we are with our feelings and we're willing to talk it through and that just helps everything. So then she's getting hurt and then you become more embittered. You're not to be embittered against her. You're to love her and, and figure out where you failed. But anyway, that's another... No. But there's a lot of things that could come into this to cause you to say, ah, just... Another important area would be for both husbands and wives to look over 1 Corinthians chapter 7. and A husband can become embittered or a wife can be frustrated in that context if we're not obeying the Lord in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Or if we're not following the Lord in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
and we have no clue what love means. Agape love. And so, husbands, love your wives. Serve her. Be willing to put everything else aside. I know we have our responsibilities, but we are responsible to love. It is important for us to love our wives. Now, children, back to you. Okay, kids? You awake? You with me? Because we have a whole list here of things. Just a long, long verse. Okay, kids? We're in Colossians 3.20. And this is a whole 10-page paragraph or 10-page paper about what you're to do. No, it's just a little sentence. Okay, kids? You listening? Everybody out there, kids? Kids, you're to obey your parents. Did I already say that? You got it? Do you know what that means? Right? There's a funny saying that we like to say about, you know, when, when, when we love our wives, you know, when she says, froggy, I jump. But kids, if your parents say froggy, you jump. Okay? Right, kids? If your parents tell you to brush your teeth every night and every night they come, you come out and they say, so did you get your teeth, teeth brushed? And you didn't do it? Is that obedience or disobedience? Disobedience. You older kids, you teenagers, you may be in that point in your life, you're thinking, well, what am I going to do with my life? What is God's will for me in my life? Well, first, is to obey your parents as a teenager. Even if it doesn't seem fair. Now, there's still some parameters, kids. There are certain things I hope that you talk to your parents about or an adult about, there's certain things within your life that any adult should never do or expect of you, okay? So there's parameters, okay? But very rarely is that ever a situation where you have a right to say no to your parent, right? And so if they say, hey, quit running in the church, do you run faster? Do you forget the next five minutes? Oh, I didn't mean to bring that up. But no, you obey your parents. How many times should they have to tell you, kids? Once, all right. Good answer. She gets a reward, all right. Um, pretty simple, isn't it, kids? And I want you to understand, though, it's not just about looking good. It's about giving glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to give the motivation here in just a minute why you should do this. But it's important for you to remember, hey, the Lord wants me to do one simple thing today. I mean, there's some other things I should be doing, but it's to obey my parents. Now, fathers, we come back to you. Okay? And I would say parents. But fathers, moms tend to be nurturing. Even ants are very nurturing. Women are very nurturing and very often engaged. They're not always perfect, right? They're still sinful, but very aware of what the kids need, where the, what we need to do, the goals that we have for the kids to grow. But Father, sometimes we just get to that point where we're exasperating children. We're not supposed to do that. And oftentimes I think about it, this is telling me not to be a wanch, Right? Not to tease or pick on or be harsh to my kids. 
Now, yeah, that's what it means, but it's more than that. We can cause not only to exasperate our children. Let's look at this verse again here. Verse 17, what, uh, sorry, verse 21. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Why? So that they will not lose heart. So we're getting into a little bit of the motivation, but I want you to understand that anything that causes them to lose heart could be a, a, a seen as a part of that exasperation. And so if we're not spending the time we should with our kids... I would say you're, you're starting to exasperate your child because they need you in their lives. They need you. They need your discipline, but they need your love. They need your time. Right? And ha- whatever you have to do to spend time with them, you need to do it. Okay? It may mean that you have to sacrifice It may mean the family has a sacrifice because there's one job that you didn't quite get done quite perfect or quite right, and then it causes you financial pain later or trouble. Yes, we're to provide, right? Right, men? We're to provide, but that includes we're to provide for their spiritual and emotional health and well-being as well. And so we need to make sure we're not exasperating our children, exasperating them. We need to spend time with them. We need to know who they are and how to direct them. We need to discipline them, right? And so parents, remember last week, we were talking about at one point in time, maybe a couple weeks ago, you know, there's parents out there that don't discipline their children. Instead, they end up yelling and yelling more. Same thing over and over and over again because the kids don't listen. They're not obeying. Well, we are given also in Scripture in many places, yes, we're to raise them up in their bend, knowing who they are and helping them to see their failings and, and disciplining them in a way that is the most effective. But it it's also includes, especially when they're young, the rod. And today I mentioned earlier, you know, one of the biggest problems in our culture is there's kids that were always given just free reign to throw their little fit. And it's my opinion, I think it's a biblical opinion, the faster you swat them on the rear, the better. Okay? Give them a quick spanking. Fits are not the way we're to live. And so it's very important, fathers, you can also exasperate your children if you're not involved in the discipline. Now, sometimes we take it too far, don't do it in anger. There's a lot of other things. I opened up a can of worm, it's not in my notes. But here we go, uh, uh, just know there are parameters in how you discipline, even when you use the rod. Don't do it in anger. Be consistent, parents, as one of the, the best tools of discipline is consistency. And so when we tell the kids, right, when mom and dad say something, you do it right away, they learn that very quickly, even at the age of two, When mom and dad says no, that's what they mean. Now, am I perfect? I am absolutely not perfect, okay, everybody? I have failed way too frequently. But the Word of God gives us direction. And and God's grace can strengthen and encourage our family. And so not only discipline, but we need to be fathers and parents that show love and grace, and are willing to show and admit when we fail. Don't be a hypocrite. All right, 
Let's move on. I didn't mean to spend so much time, but, you know, there's, it's very important for us to see these truths in the Scripture and that we can, in this new, as a new person, being born again in Christ and having the Holy Spirit to guide us and give us strength, that we can do the right things and be faithful families that can change our communities and our whole nation. And so there's the motivation for the regenerated, okay? And so we're all born again. These commands are for us who are born again. And so we are all regenerated, those who have come to know Jesus Christ. That is, we're made into a new person. We're we are now able to serve Christ for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we go back, so we're going to go back and talk about the wife. So when we broke this down, who are we talking about? We talked about each, each group, and then we talked about what we're supposed to do. Now we want to talk about why. Why do we want to do this? It's for the Lord. We go back to verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all, Right? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And we see this phrase again, uh, over and over, over again. And so in verse 20, it's to the Lord for the children. In verse 18, it's as is fitting how? In the Lord. Okay? Not just about fitting in the, the society or the culture, as is fitting for what the Lord would approve of right? What the Word of God tells us to do, okay? It's for the Lord, not even for your husband, but yes, for your husband, okay? Now, when we look at verse 19 and 21, it really doesn't say anything about the the fathers doing it in the Lord, but yes, that's a part of it. Going back to verse 17, it's for the glory of the Lord. And, And verse 21, the reason is so that they will not lose heart, so that you will have kids who are motivated themselves to serve and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And so kids, even if you don't like your mom or dad at the moment in the situation that they've given this command, you can say, yes, Lord Jesus, I will do it for you. And because it'll translate kids into when you're an adult and you have other people telling you, hey, you need to do this or you need to do that, when they have authority over you as a boss or something like that. That you're able to say, oh, I'll do this, not because of them, but so that I can glorify the Lord. And so we come back to the main thought here. We need to fortify the home with new life living. New life living is the Word of God living. It's living by the Holy Spirit who uses the Word of God in our lives. And it's obedience to the Word of God. And so we will follow the Word of God even if our culture isn't. We will serve Him. And so to fortify the home, to have a stronger home, you know, the fortified vitamins, you've heard of that, right? Those fortified vitamins are to hopefully shore up and strengthen your immune system so you don't get sick. Or if we think about a, a, a dam that's getting old and brittle and there's, there's possible breakthroughs and if that happens, the, the lake is all going to go and wash out homes and stuff down below. So they come and they have to reestablish and build up and fill in the cracks and strengthen the dam. And so to fortify is to strengthen, to prepare the family. And so... It's very important for us to understand our families are under attack. And so we have to do the best that we can do to invest in their lives, okay, each other's lives. 
And so we need to fortify our families by obeying this passage and obeying the Word of God. Live this new life as faithful families to bless the world for the Lord's glory. And that's what it comes down to. It's all for His glory. Now let's go to 22 through 4.1. And I know I spent, what, probably 40 minutes, or no, 35 minutes on this passage. So we're going to round this up quickly, okay? Because it translates into the workforce and really the slave force as well. But God's people are positioned powerfully to bless the world. And so it starts at home, but moves into the workforce. And the workforce of master and slave was still the household. So these are still kind of under the household. Because when you look back, when it was first written, that they had slaves within their homes. And so it's still kind of considered the household. But we see that this is moving out into the workforce. And so secondly, bless the community with new life living. And how you serve in the workplace or amongst workers. Let's just be reminded here, who's it talking to? The redeemed. Slaves were born again too. Right? We're believers. Masters. People who had slaves. Some of these may be in an old the same household would come together and they would be worshiping the Lord together and they're to be unified together and understand, hey, we're equals. We are equals. And so we can get into this long discussion, but it wasn't an ethnic thing about slavery. It was those conquered by other, by the Romans primarily who were brought in to serve. So they were either, they could have been British, they could have been German, they could have been Jewish from South America or South Africa or Africa. They were from all over, okay? And these slaves had no inheritance, but here in this passage we find that they now have an inheritance in the Lord. And we find in verse chapter four, verse one, the master is to be just and fair, knowing he or she uh, has a master in heaven. They are to know that they're all. So who is it towards? It's both the master and the slave. So we could say, I do believe we could say the boss and the worker, employee. Okay, Not as harsh of a life for the employee, or shouldn't be. The commands is is for them is let's see the command is for the free in Christ so again i just want you to see okay they're all in the church family they're all redeemed they're all free in Christ okay but there's a command in Christ to obey the lord jesus christ therefore to serve the master and the master to love and care about and be fair to the servant or the slave or to your workers. And the motivation for the beloved, right? If we were to go back to tw- verse, uh, let me find it here in my notes. Chapter 3, verse... Uh, thought I wrote it down. Earlier it says in this passage that you are all loved, beloved, and holy. And so 
it's important to see that we are all in Christ, in unity. Um, And so when we look at this passage, the motivation for every last one of us, whether we're slaves or masters, is to serve and work sincerely or fully, fearing the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 22 for the slave. is as unto the Lord. Okay? It is the Lord God who judges. He's the one who judges. And He's the one you should please. And so a lot of times you may say, oh, I don't really feel like helping this, you know, this guy that thinks he already knows everything. He just has this higher position. For us, we have bosses here that own the place. We may, oh, that's not quite the way to do it. And we may be upset or frustrated, but we're to do it as unto the Lord heartily, happily. We're to serve the best that we can. The motivation for the the servant or the slave was, yes, I have an inheritance. This may not be what I get here on this earth. And it's not what the master's going to get in the end either but I'm going to do it as unto the Lord, right? I mean, you may be the master. You may be the boss. And you may own this ground. You may be fed up with this ground or the cattle that you have or the equipment you have. Hey, you have a greater inheritance. It may be frustrating, right? I know it's frustrating. Whether you're the worker or the owner, it can be very frustrating. Serve as unto the Lord. We all serve the Lord. Also know... You know, I think in verse uh, 25, it's important for us to understand the Lord, Lord is judging us and He's judging all. Reminds me of the Roman passage. But let's give praise to the Lord knowing that He judges without partiality. And as I was thinking about this this morning, He knows the worst of that I've done. Sometimes I don't even know what the worst that I've done is. Anybody ever been there? I know I've done some bad things. I know where I've messed up. But the Lord knows the worst of me. And the Lord knows the best of what I've done. Right? So let's serve the Lord. Sometimes I don't know what the best, the the really neat things that I have really done. I mean, some of us have not seen the fruit of our labor in the sense of witnessing to others. We'll see it someday. So in our work, whether we're the owner or the employee, work as unto the Lord. Okay? Oh, verse 12. That's where it talks about both master and slave is beloved. So if we live the new life, all right, to sum up, in conclusion. (laughs) You know, if we live the new life, in the workplace, and in all you do, then your community and the world will be blessed to the praise of not our glory, but of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the glory of God. You know, there's a work problem today, isn't there? Maybe not as bad out here in rural Custer County, Logan County, Lincoln County, right? But we see it. People don't even want to work. But we should want to work for the Lord. We should want to serve Him. To do the best that we can. And so, again, I I have a professor that says, you know, some of the best stories are told over and over again. So that's what I'm going to do. When I was working on the ranch, a lot of times we'd do something. Maybe it didn't go, 
meet snuff for us, and we're like, oh, it'll do. You know, instead of saying it'll do, she'll never see it. The lady owner would never, will never see it, so we'd say it jokingly. But in the back of my mind, every time I said that, I, or maybe as the Holy Spirit convicting me, Lee, I see it. Right? I see it. I see how well you've done. Maybe it's not as good as you wanted it to be, but you should still do the best that you can for me. Right? So kids, we should obey the, the Lord by obeying our parents as best we can, not just to please them, but we want to please the Lord. All of us, husbands, wives, single folks, right? This applies to you as well. All that we do needs to be done as unto the Lord. Our nation needs us, not, through, not just through the good deeds that we do by supporting ministries that help the hurting and, and reach the lost, but our nation needs us to be people of principle following the Word of God, doing it cheerfully, trying to bring Jesus Christ's glory in everything that we do. And that's what it means when we say live the new life as faithful families to bless the world for the Lord's glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time together. And as we see many problems throughout our nation taking place, uh, many results from ongoing problems for many generations, Lord. Help us not just to... I say help us not just to, Lord, but help us not to stand there judging and neglecting the areas where I'm failing myself. Help us to be aware of what we need to do to capitalize on this moment by being faithful to You and strengthening our own families. Lord, I thank You for those, um, those who, who are every day in and out trying to serve You. Thank You for those who, who are willing to also encourage other families. Um, thank You, Lord, for this church family. And help us to be aware of how we can encourage one another, not get in the way of each other, but to encourage one another in You, Lord. Um, I pray that we would be that our families will be preserved from the ongoing um, battle, the ongoing spiritual warfare that's taking place, especially sometimes we could say in in October here. But we ask for your protection for our families. We ask that, Lord, you would give us a proper understanding of what we need to do uh, as parents and that the kids here would be willing to follow and obey Uh, their parents, and follow, most importantly, you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. We have some young folks come forward, and we'll take up this morning's offering.